You are listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. Curbside consults. It's how a lot of us doctors get our own personal medical care. And it's not just stupid, but it can be deadly. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Bruce Goldstick, an ophthalmologist in private practice in the Chicago area. And he has a very personal story to share with us about his own health care and the dangers of putting ourselves second to our patients. Welcome, Bruce. Thanks, Michael. You noticed some symptoms. Give us a two-minute recap, and then we're going to talk about what it was like to be a patient. Yeah, I did notice blood in my stool one day. I uh, came across a friend of mine who's a gastroenterologist at the local hospital. He said, maybe worthwhile for you to have a colonoscopy. Colonoscopy was performed. Uh, grade zero carcinoma of the colon was noticed. I ended up having a colon resection. And that's where my story begins. All right. So let's talk about this story. You basically started off by getting a consult in an elevator. Yeah. And fortunately didn't delay. Well, it, it did kind of delay because the initial impression of this friend of mine was that it probably was just hemorrhoids. And he seemed to poo-poo the idea that it could be anything more serious than that. I was only 42 years old. And most recommendations currently are that you should have a colonoscopy at age 50. So one of the issues that I do have is curbside consults can be a little bit dangerous at times. And we do them all the time. We, we ask colleagues all the time in the hallway to give us a quick curbside consult. I know we get it all the time. What do you do now when someone asks you a question about their health care, about their eyes? You're an ophthalmologist. So what do you do? Do you make them come to the office? Most of the time I do make them come to the office unless it's something so obvious to me that I can I could either see it externally or hear by their history what it is. But a lot of times I'll say, you know, I'd rather see you in the office. That way I could be 100% sure. You can miss a whole variety of things if you don't see it in vivo. Exactly. Tell us about your experience about being a patient. Were you a good patient? I think I was a very good patient. I remember in medical school, one of my psychology professors talking about being a patient and saying that the best patients are ones that are strong enough self-advocates yet are passive enough to listen to the physician. And I felt that I was going to be a good patient by being both a self-advocate, a strong self-advocate, and at the same time listening to what the advice my physicians were going to give me. Let me ask you a question. You went to a hospital where you were on the staff. I've done that too. And in doing that, I find... I have a problem that I want to be the good boy, and I end up doing, like, twice as many things as I should do because I don't want the nurses to have to clean a mess up because, like, I'm trying to serve them. Did you notice any of that in yourself? This is quite funny. As it happens, the nurse on the floor was my patient, and the head night nurse was my patient. And they both made me feel very comfortable being myself and being a patient. And there was a kind of warmth that was there. In addition, my wife, and at that time we'd been married over 20 years, was also a very strong advocate for me and happened to have slept in the room for the first couple nights after my surgery, making sure that I was administered the appropriate medicine. Yeah, my, my wife has stayed with me in the hospital, too. It's kind of really tough squeezing into that little hospital bed at times, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And there's a downside of having an exhausted wife sometimes as well. But it's always nice to have a wonderful advocate. Tell us about your experience. More about it. Share with us. I was a little bit reluctant initially to manage my own pain. I thought that if I suffered and had pain, 
it was going to allow me to heal quicker. So the first day that I was there, I had this large midline incision, and I wasn't administering any pain medicine for myself. I was just grinning and bearing it, and I was miserable. And that first night, the head nurse came in and said, Bruce, you're not administering any medicine. I said, well, I thought if I'm in pain, I'll be able to make myself heal quicker. She goes, that's absolutely wrong. Administer enough pain medicine to make you feel comfortable. That's the thing that's going to get you feel most comfortable. And that was a great bit of advice. We think we know so much about medicine being a doctor, but until the tables are turned, that's when you really learn, isn't it? Absolutely. The best doctors are ones, I think, that have been patients or have had a firsthand experience about certain things because they have the empathy towards what really is. That was the first thing that really kind of helped me get get better quicker. The second thing is I realized about things like scheduling medicine and medicine administration and that when something is written for QID or Q6 hours, you could be woken up to get your medicine at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's just what the schedule says. That is rough. And when I figured out about administration of medicine and playing the game, I was able to tell my physician that I wanted the medicine administered in a way so that I can get a good night's sleep. You're listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host. And with us today is Dr. Bruce Goldstick, an ophthalmologist in the Chicago area, who's talking about his story with his own personal health care. Did you find that it's difficult because as physicians, we're so in control all the time that you have to play this game as a patient of both surrendering control at times, but also that advocate of, of controlling things. And was it tough for you? There was that dilemma. You know, how much do I ask for? Is it too much of a pain in the neck to ring the bell when I just had the nurse come in? But at the same time, we as physicians have an intuition that may be different than other types of patients. We have an understanding and have seen certain people go through things what we've gone through. And as a result, we can maybe anticipate or maybe ask for things that a patient who has not experienced this won't. See, I always over-anticipated. I always was scared that I was going to ask something stupid or ask for too much. My wife would be there and I'd say, no, don't ask. That's okay. I'm, I'm just fine. I didn't want to get in the way of anybody and, and bother them. I was kind of in a funny position here. Here was a nurse who was my patient. I didn't want her to perceive that I was a stupid idiot. However, I also learned that there were ways of making me get better quicker. And one of the things that was most disturbing to me in the hospital was getting a full night's sleep. And once I was out of urgent care and was kind of in the healing mode, I approached the nurse, the night nurse, and I said, is there any way of me being able to get a full night's sleep? something like six or seven hours. And she sat down and she says, you know, this is a very unusual request. Most people don't ask for this. And I said, I, I think it would be really important in my healing process. She said, you know, I think we can check vitals at 11 o'clock at night and seven o'clock in the morning as long as you're stable. I think we could administer your pain medicine at 1030 at night at 6.30 in the morning, as long as you're stable. Maybe I'll have one of the nurses check in on you in the middle of the night to make sure that you're sleeping well. And all of a sudden, I had two or three nights of uninterrupted sleep. 
And I think that got me out of, the, out of the hospital much quicker. Something as simple as that. And I said to the nurse after all that, why can't this be arranged? And it's basically because nobody thinks of it. Right. It's like the movie The Doctor. Until you're in that situation, you don't get what it's like. Absolutely. And I think as a physician, we can be a little bit more creative without jeopardizing our health towards making our stay a little bit easier. And we can interpret that and, and turn that toward our own patient stays. Absolutely. We can serve as strong patient advocates. If we know our patients well enough and know what their needs are or they patients are able to express, can you make my hospital stay or my visit a little bit easier, by asking them what would make it easier for them and seeing if that could be accommodated could help with the healing process. Yeah, that's great. We don't often ask those questions. We don't even think about those questions, what would make it easier. We're really so wrapped up in the technicalities of what we're doing that we forget about the compassion. Of course. We treat the diagnosis as opposed to treating the person. And if we treated the person, that may make the rehabilitation much quicker. Now, in your own life, you get regular physicals. Do you have your own doctor now? I do have my own doctor now. It's interesting. I have uh, chosen a doctor who is extraordinarily compulsive and may not be quite as compassionate as I am, but I'm opting for the compulsivity as opposed to the compassion. And do you listen now? More than I did. I listen now. I, I get my regular physicals. I've learned not to be my own doctor. That's a huge mistake people do too, not just curbside consults, but diagnosing and treating themselves. You can get in tremendous trouble there. Absolutely. I learned my lesson. Not just curbside consults, but also trusting my own intuition. Because if I didn't follow through initially from my symptoms, I may not be around today. Let's talk about intuition. How much do we listen to patients' intuitions on that or trust their intuitions and just kind of dismiss intuition? I happen to think that intuition is a very important part of listening to a patient. When a patient says to me, something is not quite right about my body, whatever that may be, whether it's their eyesight, whether it's their bowels, whether it's their heart, I listen really carefully to that because they understand the intricacies and the workings of their body better than I ever will. And so by listening very carefully to what they have to say, they'll, t they'll tell you. And it's, I think it's my obligation to prove them wrong or right. I agree. As, as a dermatologist, I will very often take off a nevus that looks perfectly okay to me because a patient says to me, it just doesn't feel right, even though I, I know it's right. And you know what? Amazingly, time after time, they've been right. I think patients know. Patients are aware. We as physicians have to listen to them. And to ourselves. And we need to get regular checkups. I don't know many physicians who do get regular checkups, especially the younger ones. They kind of wait. They figure that they're uh, immortal. What, what message would you give to doctors about their own health care? You're a human first and you're a doctor second. Humans get sick. Exactly. And patients don't expect that because I've had patients when I've had a cold look at me and say, you're a doctor. You're not supposed to be sick. That's exactly right. They look at us at a different level. But we're humans first. Right. And I think also it's very important that we ask our doctors to treat us as patients, not just doctors. Absolutely. And allow yourself the ability to ask stupid questions. An interesting corollary to that is as a physician who operates, I never like to treat any, any patient any more special than anyone else. When you start losing the routine of being in the operating room, of doing something a little bit different or a little bit eccentric for somebody, that's when things can go wrong. 
if you can get into the same kind of routine without treating a person necessarily extra special. That doesn't mean that you don't look at their idiosyncrasies, but treat the person like a patient. One last thing. In choosing a doctor, we already touched on this. You've always got choices because you've got your colleagues, your friends, you've got all the, the big names in the city. What advice would you give to people? My advice would be like, go with your gut. Don't go with a friend. Would you agree to that? I did not choose a friend. It puts a friend in a difficult position. And don't worry about what they think if you go somewhere else. They're not going to have their feelings hurt. No, I, I think that you can explain to a friend later that this is my body. I don't want to have you take the responsibility. I love you as a friend, but I would rather have someone objective as my physician. I want to thank Dr. Bruce Goldstick, who's been with us today sharing his personal and compelling story. And I hope that every doctor listening out there gets the message, gets their own physician, gets their care, and stops delaying and denying when we do have problems. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you, the physicians who care for your patients. Tell us what you want and what you need. Send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and thanks for listening.